Welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled, It Starts With Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis. Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast, powered by Go Tennis. And in this episode, we talk to Yannika Yoshizawa from Sense Arena, who have developed a VR training tool to improve the mental and cognitive skills of those trying to reach peak performance. Have a listen and let us know what you think. You're with Sense Arena, and our first question is usually something along the lines of who are you and why, why do we care? So we know where you came from, kind of how you got here. How did you get into virtual reality tennis? Yeah, um, you know, that's a, a whole start in itself. But, you know, I spent, after finishing college, I spent nine years at the WCA um, and had a, a great run, you know, uh, was very good. And then at that time, after being so long in the WCA, you know, you were like, well, am I going to spend my whole life in tennis at the WCA? And then I touched myself, you know, maybe it's good to explore something outside of that. So then I completely took uh, a way out of tennis and went to work on a consultancy uh, in sustainability, which was a side interest of me that I had. Um, did that for about a year and then realized that I miss tennis. Uh, I miss sports in general, the environment, you know, the, talking to people just like what we're doing here. Um, and then I was sort of looking, you know, for opportunities uh, to come back to it. That was uh, early last year. <clears throat> and then I saw this um, job posting of, you know, Sense Arena, virtual reality. Went on to look at the company, was all about hockey uh, in there. So I was a little confused, but I was like, hey, you know, well, why not? Like it, it looked very interesting. It looked uh, for everything that I knew about virtual reality, I was like, you know, this could be a problem. So I went on and basically that's sort of how I got my foot in my door. And actually my first, uh, no, that was my third interview with them, uh, with Bob Tativa, who is the CEO and founder, and Daniel Burns, who is the product director. Um, in my third interview, I had virtual reality as my first time ever using virtual reality. Um, and I was just blown away uh, just by the fact of I lost complete sense of space. And, you know, I felt that I was on a tennis court. I got frustrated when I missed and all those emotions came back to me. Um, so, yeah, so that was sort of and, you know, luckily they accepted me, even though I performed very badly at the first uh, virtual reality interview. But um, so, yeah, so that's how I ended up in this um, hot seat now. I was hoping, Bobby, you'd jump into some of the technical questions because I know you were originally asking. We'd had a couple of conversations with VR about VR in general. And I know Bobby wants to know. I mean, we all want to know, right? What is this feel like real tennis? Like where? Well, the first thing I know is big difference is the, the racket setup hmm. where the esports seem to be more of a racket. This is more of a simulation how does the i know you said when you tried it you said the feel felt the same how do you get that feel when the apparatus is it is a way you know what is the weight of your of the racket in your hand let's start there 
Yeah, so there's two uh, rackets that we have. One, let's say, we we'll call it small and large, but they're very similar. So the between, uh, they're between 280 to 290 grams, okay. uh, which you can, of course, you know, put your own little weights to make it, you know, more head heavy and whatnot. Um, so that's about what it is. Okay. Very. And, and how does the feel and the handle come through? So basically what we do, um, so we have two rackets. Uh, our premium racket's called Haptic Racket, and basically it gives you haptic feedback. Um, so it comes with a battery, and then it sensors when you actually hit the ball within our platform, and it vibrates the racket. So of course, you know, we cannot simulate the actual weight of the ball impacting your strings, but, you know, it's more that cognitive remembering for you that, okay, now that's where I'm hitting the ball and so on. And I think just to, um, as we go forward, maybe it will help you filter out the 400 questions a little bit. But um, important thing here is that when we talked about, uh, we're not a game, right? We, we're What we did and how the founders started five years ago in hockey, the whole vision was to use virtual reality as a training tool for athletes from a mental and cognitive aspect to it. So, you know, after doing in hockey for a while, five years, you know, and got very self-sustainable, you know, we have five NHL teams, we have thousands of users at home that use it for uh, improvement of their um, hockey skills in the end. So that's where it leads us to tennis because we believe this technology can be very much used for aspiring tennis players, whatever your level is, right? Like all the way from pros who we already have using the technology to all the way to the grassroots from really that youth from 10 to 17 years old that are just their brain are just a sponge and just absorbing so much information so really that's when we can see the big impact as well well that was one thing i loved about just going over your site that you guys are focusing predominantly as a training aid and as coaches you know we we subscribe and the more times you can get the muscle memory we, we think it's a great idea. And it's what started this whole trip when we started reading about virtual too, is that, wow, this is a great way to get to those, the numbers and the, the muscle memory that the kids need without being on the court. Cause it does rain a bit down here. So, uh, you know, we do miss some days during the year. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. And I think, you know, like uh, what we call it internally, externally, we call the, the training triangle, you know, when we talk about, I think the majority of sports, you, you talk about your technique, your fitness, and your mental, right? Those are the say, three big buckets um, in, in sports in general, and especially when we go into tennis. And it's very specific, you know, like when you need to work on your technique, you know, you get a coach, you, and there's a thousand ways to hit a forehand, backhand, serve, or return, right? But then you get on court, you know, you go through your coach and tells you, okay, this is how I hit, this is how you should hit, this is how and so on. Same thing with fitness, right? There's a million ways for you to train, but the mental is always very, I would say, neglected uh, until this point on how you train, first of all, you know, you know, and I think what you just mentioned, Bobby, it's exactly what we do. It's that memory, the muscle memory, where people don't realize that muscle memory starts everything in the brain, right? Like, so you can be hitting a thousand forehands, but it's your brain sends that signal over and over again. So what's important for us is like, we're not here trying to teach you how to hit a forehand or a backhand, what technique is best for you, but actually getting, okay, 
you we're going to put you into a specific situation right and then what sort of it's going to work either on your concentration skills your anticipation your reaction that's going to basically speed up your brain so then you're making better decisions on court because you saw the situation so many times then now it's sort of second nature, right? And that's why we work very hard on that customization aspect of it. So not only the scenarios, but being able to, you know, play on a surface that it's a clay, grass, hardcore with wind, shade, and night. So then you also can, because not everyone has the ability to practice in all these different conditions. Um, so therefore, you know, by letting your brain get situated, then we believe that it's gonna in the end of the day what our true goal is is to improve performance right to allow athletes whatever that is to get a little bit better so you have a couple of testimonials <laughs> outside jack sock in in the top 26 gal they've given you positive feedback who was the person using it at the australian open uh we we had a couple different players um I don't know. I mean, I think a noticeable one, it's the girl, she won the mixed doubles uh, in Australia Open, Louise Stefani. Um, but we had, you know, Mio Mirkaminovic, Mio Rosvori, um, Linda Fruvertova uh, and Brenda Fruvertova, the two sisters from Czech, uh, 17 and 15 year old girls. So we have about 13 different pros more or less uh, that are really using it, the platform. Um, so I'm not sure who you saw it in our platform, uh, who we put it out there, but it might have been one of them. I, it was quick and it was, I was flicking channels and holy cow, right? they're doing playing virtual tennis. I loved it. So I did not, I do know I saw it was a gal, but it was very fast. So you, obviously you're starting with the professionals. Have you gotten feedback from the older generation? Because I think this obviously works very well with the younger kids because they were, this is their generation. This is what they've seen. Adults, a little bit different. They need it. And I, and I always say, even with our adults down here, the biggest lack as you put, take up something later in life, you don't watch it enough where I had to sit on the sidelines watching for to try to get 20 minutes worth of court time down here. They show up, they play their match and they leave and they leave. They miss out on that great learning opportunity of watching. So, you know, how have, how have you addressed it with the older folks and, you know, what is their response? Yeah, um, you know, and I think it's important to know here, you know, of course, we're sort of following like a top-down approach because we believe the pros, you know, the more that they use and the coaches as well, not only the pros, but the coaches that are part of these professionals, but also part of a lot of the academies, right? That's the biggest part because we want to tailor to make sure that it's useful at the end of the day, right? So um, so to get into a little bit of your uh, question here now that I want to say the older generation, um, I think there's always like anything that is new skepticism, right? Like because especially it's not only a different way to train, but it's a completely new technology that has never been seen in tennis before. Um, even though virtual reality is something, nothing new, right? It's been used in the military, medical fields for a long period of time. So I think it's just more the important here, it's the education. So when actually they try it, they easily can see the benefits. You know, when we've tried, you know, we've been to different USPTA, PTR conferences, 
you know, talking to the coaches. And I think the biggest challenge it's for them to actually try it. Once they try, they can understand right away. They see the benefits and so on. So, but it's usually okay. Uh, should I try this? Is, uh, I think it's just a game, you know. So I think it's more that um, preconception of something that they never seen before, and all they've seen it. It was related to some type of video game, right? So like it's educating, which we totally, and that's why we're trying to hit it hard very well. It's try to provide as much information of like why Sense Arena is beneficial, how does it help you, and like what are the benefits that you see in the long run. So uh, it's good, but it's good once they try it. So you know, I think it's just that that's part of the process. It leads to the next obvious question, which is how do you get people to try it? This isn't just a thing you can download on your phone for four ninety nine. We got to have the magic goggles by Facebook, and so we that's a five or six hundred dollar investment. How, what what are you doing? Are you bringing down twenty of those and doing events and letting people try it, or you just got to only target those that already have the technology? Yeah, well, I think one one of the good things it's um, you know this headsets um, used to cost you know thousand two thousand three thousand dollars three years ago. So since we see the trend of uh, becoming more accessible, which right now it's between three hundred fifty and four hundred dollars, depending where you get. Um, and then as far as demoing, you know, um, that's I think two parts of it. You know, the more academies that are starting to have. So, you know, in three months, we have almost already 20 academies that are started using already. So then you get exposed, you know, you are your club or academy or whatever it is that you can try. You can start using for your performance. And then we try to do our job on trying to get to these major conferences, right, where a lot of the coaches are there uh, for them to start really seen it what it is about right so we bring our team we set up a demo station and then and try it and then it's just trying to uh really go to these markets um that more people are congregated well one thing i did like again Yannika, is that i love the idea and, and i just think the, the big difference what i've noticed is just between the two companies not having not used either one is the way you guys are positioning and i love the way you guys are positioning as a teaching training aid. I love the idea of the recommendation of get a television in the room so the, the person, you know, the coach can also watch what's going on and to see the reactions, which I think, you know, it, again, it just, it takes you to another limit, another level and makes you realize what you're really trying to accomplish. So I was, I was very impressed by that. And uh, so it, what you wrote, obviously you're out of Boston, I'm assuming is that with the 781 or is that where you guys are located? Uh, no, actually, so the first office that was open uh, a couple years ago was in Boston. That was mainly in hockey when tennis didn't exist. And now we actually just opened an office uh, here in Tampa. So uh, the, let's say, tennis part and also our marketing team is going to be located out of Tampa, uh, Florida. As you guys know, also, we have a little um, tennis mecca around here. Yeah, I would say. So you've been to, the, you've been to Lake Nona? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In Lake Nona, you know, within our, <clears throat> just an hour away, it's Bradenton with all the academies of IMG, Inspiration, uh, and then, of course, Orlando. And then, <clears throat> as you know, universities and academies here are endless, every single corner that you turn to. 
Well, I just I just look at this and think it's going to be should be such a hit with all the tennis resorts as well. All the old folks coming down and the great part, you, you do give feedback after somebody uses it, you know, and they'll get some idea of strokes and stuff like that, which, again, for an adult, I think is they're, they're going to get a big kick out of it. And they're really going to eat it up. And again, your pricing is is more in line with seeing, oh, this is something a club would purchase get it to as many as many hands as you can and let's get people using it. So again, I, I liked a lot of the things that you guys are doing and uh, your Amazon's choice as far as virtual reality glasses. So this is an investment I'm seriously contemplating making today. Cause I, I again, I think we can, this I, I've been excited about it. I heard about it about three years ago. So, you know, waiting for it to get here. And, and now that it's here, definitely want to try it. Are you guys moving into the technology with the rackets where you could potentially become a demo station for rackets? Uh, you know, I think it's, I wouldn't say it's um, part of our roadmap. What we do now, we already partner with some brands. Um, so if you go and get into it, you know, you're going to be able basically to see a full on head radical or a cylindrical blackout in your hands. So again, it's not to replicate that feeling of what a head boom or a head radical or, you know, um, because that's, again, not what we're here for because our goal at the end of the day is for us to, for a player to come and train, get back on court and perform even better, right? We don't want to suck players in and just have them all the time here. It's always like, it's part of your training, right? So, um, and sorry, I, I sidetracked here. So, you know, like, of course, uh, the more brands, because what we believe is in this power of visualization, right? Therefore, if you have your racket within the platform and, you know, you're going through a scenario of, you know, playing on the clay court and you have a match point and you have that approach shot, seeing your racket just makes it even more real for you, right? So, therefore, it just sucks in and stays in your mind. So, when you go to that specific situation, you're like, I've been here before. I can do this now, right? So we really believe on that power of the more you see it, the more you believe it, and the better you're going to execute it, right? So as Sean said, how do we get you to come to How many people do we have to get for an event to get you to come to Atlanta? <laughs> what what hey. makes it worth your while? <laughs> Hey, well, if you if you told me that the Atlanta um, tournament is not well attended, then you're gonna have to get me at least more people than than them. Uh, oh, hey, that that's getting players is never an issue. That's the good. They just don't like to watch. That's wow, the good. Yeah, okay, we, even we better. So you have those that's... really aspirational players, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but again, like Georgia, I wouldn't say it's it's that far. So it's definitely a conversation that. We, we can have uh, and talk about it. You know, we're, we're definitely happy to to come and, you know, when the opportunity is right and when we have a demand and people that are interested in about technology, then we definitely would love, love to be part of this. Well, again, I love the fact you keep using that word too because I, I feel like tennis is so far behind when it comes to technology. And even the, when I asked the question earlier, I realized like what I'm really asking is how do you get the coaches? Because the, the players are the young ones. The coaches are my age that are, you know, have a history of being resistant to technology and, and usually coach to the level somewhat close to what they played. And, you know, that doesn't help anybody. So I, I love the fact that, you know, you guys are, 
all about the, pushing the whole the idea and the need for technology throughout the sport. Yeah, and, and you hit the nail in the head there when you said, you know, I think that's what we want to provide more accessibility to players to be able to train in different levels and don't have to find a player that hits, you know, uh, much faster than what you used to practice, right? Because that's the power of uh, virtual reality and sensorine is that you can create your own reality, right? So like if I'm a 12-year-old one and I know that next year I'm going to transition into the next age group, I can speed it up so I can see the ball a little faster so then my brain already gets used to it, that seeing that ball a little faster. And same thing, not just as a kid, but if you are at 3.5 and you're improving and then you need to jump to a 4.0, it's the same thing. The ball is going to come a little faster. The players might use a little different strategy, right? But it's there. it takes a transition period. So if your brain can get used to that transition before you get there on the court, it's just going to make your transition much faster. We're not saying that it's not going to take you being there and hitting those balls on court, but your brain is going to adapt much quicker. Well, and again, I think because we always talk about we, we I coach a high school team down here and that level of player, even though from a technical standpoint, not too bad because they've done a lot of drilling. What I'm amazed is their lack of ability to construct a point because they don't they're not a tournament level playing playing every weekend matches. They don't get the match play and they go to the certain they don't have a thought, you know, they, they're strictly in the reaction phase. So if this would get them the extra reps. Again, I, I just see it as such a valuable transcending just as the higher level, the high school player would benefit from this tremendously as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to Well said. I don't even need to pitch myself on this one. <laughs> well, I'm thinking we should meet in Sandestin. That's, you know, we, we should call them, get a couple free rooms and uh, see what <laughs> we can do down there. Let's just do it on the, the Redneck Riviera and have some fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then we also have, you know, um, uh, JTCC in Florida. Uh, they have a division in uh, Bose Academy in Jacksonville. They use our product as well, you know, so I think that's also always a close one. Uh, but again, like if the opportunity is right, there is always opportunity for us to send someone there and, you know, and get things going. So you're working with Ray Benton? Uh, yes, yes, of oh, course. If you know yeah. Brett Weinroth, have you met Brett? No, I don't think I met Brad. We usually talk, I mean, Ray, more from the decision-making when we partnered with them, but mm -hmm. uh, now we mainly work with Vesa Opka, and, uh, the president there. All from the... I used to work, I was on the senior tour for a while, with, I worked for them, so I know Ray and his son, Jeff, and still keep in contact with Brett, and Brett's on the board at JTCC up in, in the D.C. area. Uh -huh. uh, didn't know okay. if he tried to weasel his way down because he has a his son is a pretty high ranked player. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, they use they use of course the JTCC in College Park, um, but then they also have a subsidiary here in Florida. Fantastic, fantastic. Good to know. Wow. All right, Sean. If I asked all my questions, we we got to get him his question. <laughs> yeah, my my favorite question, and uh, Yannick, you know it's coming. Um, what I like to ask everybody, and especially we even ask those that aren't in tennis, and this definitely doesn't have to come as an answer from your position at Sense Arena or anything, what you're trying to sell. This is more of asking you if it is, hey, let's get, 
you know, we want to get VR in everybody's hands in the world. And that's what you would do as king of tennis. I get it. But I figured uh, we'd, we'd find out from you. You've got some good experience with the, the pro level players. You've got some experience outside of tennis and then even coming back in the technology side. If you were king of tennis for a day or whatever it takes, however you picture that, if you were king of tennis, is there something you would do or something you would change? Uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, first and foremost, their needs always should be evolving, right? And I think for me, if I had that one 24 hours that it could make it better, I think it's definitely continue to make it even more accessible. Uh, tennis, I still think there's a level of obstacles and challenges that being, you know, just conceptual of thinking that tennis is not for them or tennis is not a popular sport. So definitely, I think just working from marketing and accessibility uh, to just more players, because I truly believe that, you know, I'm only am where I am because of tennis, not only because of the network that has been created, but I think the sport in itself teaches so many great lessons uh, from a personality perspective. So, you know, if we are able to, you know, just provide more access just to gauge more of the interest. And I think especially tennis going into uh, this, continue to go through this transformation, you know, how to continue to grab more athletes, uh, younger, the grassroots, because I think a lot of times I, I see that struggle, um, you know, as it, tennis is aging in a way. So like, how do we continue to, get more i would say kids you know in the grassroots uh involved and i think there's a variety of ways to do it and uh, i'll i'll sell my my fish here in front but you know i think the technology part it's it's a big part to it where you can keep it engaging right because a lot of times tennis may be constructed as a boring sport or you know and whatnot and you know i think people just understand once you're playing and when you get engaged once you understand and I think the power of technology, especially for this new generation, um, as you said, Bobby, you know, I think we need to evolve as a sport to continue to grab, you know, these new generations. And and I think, and, and that being said, Serena or being other technologists, you know, I think it's important because that will continue to engage them and then create an interest for them to continue to come actually to the courts and, and so on. So um, I would say, accessibility to tennis. And I like that you came with a, a bit of an answer because we get that answer. We get that answer, okay, more than zero times. And we'll get that, okay, you're king. Well, I want to make it accessible and I want to make it affordable. And everybody comes with what they want to do, but there's never an answer. It's never a, well, here's how I'm going to do it. Because yeah. everybody wants, you know, free everything and everything needs to be <laughs> available. But you come and say, okay, technology can help with this. And especially with something like this, they, with Sensorina, you're looking at being able to offer that excitement again to the younger generation, which is which is a great way to do that because not everybody can afford to play on the fancy stadiums. Not everybody can afford the the larger expenses of some of that training. And this may make it even even now as we picture it as potentially unaffordable for some with the, the fancy technology and the the goggles and the face mask or whatever that is called. Uh, should learn these things. Um, to, be, to be able to, to say, hey, this, this is actually more affordable than trying to get there on your own and travel and be in all these places. This can get the kids excited about it and then maybe say, maybe I'll go out and do it for real rather than just 
doing it yeah. in my goggles. Yeah, I, I think it's the inspiration, right? And I think what what technology, you know, like I'm sure a lot of people who follow tennis, they they go and hear this athletes like Novak or Roger and Rafa and they talk about how when they were kids that they would just imagine themselves you know winning trophies being number one and they did all that through uh closing their eyes imagining you know them being there so like now that you can even provide an experience that for them like if I've never played on grass you know like and I can actually feel that I'm there then I think it just inspires kids like, okay, I want to even work even harder to actually be there in real life, right? Um, and then I think that, again, like that's the really aspect of what I believe Sensorina, but other technology as well, that providing that inspiration for kids uh, and, and really anyone, you know, I'd say kids because I think they're going through that transformation but even now me you know i played only very few times on grass but when i put uh you know the headset on and i put it playing on grass court you're like oh my gosh you know like it makes you even feel like okay i want to go there and see if it actually works if it makes my me, me better right so so yeah um i think that technology it's a big part and it's not only technology right there's a bunch of other different things that can be done uh, but i think technology is definitely one thing especially for the younger demographics right I, i'm thrilled because i really think it's going to keep everybody gives everybody the opportunity to stay in the game longer during that difficult transition time from where you become a decent drill player to when you actually can transfer that to a match you lose a lot of kids you lose a lot of adults that they don't want to go watch it because they can't relate to the strategy. They just know if I get a forehand here or, you know, I don't stand there, or whatever it is. But if you're getting them out there and you're getting the opportunity to have to get the repetitions by themselves, which is good because they're not feeling like they're being threatened or challenged. They're, they're doing it themselves. It's just going to help and expedite that phase from the drill court to the playing court. And if they're better going on to the playing court, it's going to enhance the experience and keep them there longer. So uh, it's such an important thing. It's amazing how technology hasn't been embraced and how it's only been recent that even like Novak for the longest time was the only person who really did any analytics and really did any scouting of his opponents. And, you know, I'm glad that tennis is, is finally getting some players into it that are saying, guys, we've been doing this wrong for quite some time and we, we, we need to, to push into the, you know, the 21st century a little bit. Well, there you have it. We want to thank Rejuvenate for use of the studio. And be sure to hit that follow button. Also, we've been nominated for a podcast award, the best tennis podcast. For more about that, check the show notes. And with that, we're out. See you next time.